Learn Persian with Chai in Conversation, Lesson 59. Welcome to Lesson 59 of Learn Persian with Chai and Conversation. I can't believe we've made it this far in the series without having an entire lesson devoted to one of my favorite parts of Persian culture, and that is the food. Now, Matt, I know that at this point, you know how important food is in the Persian culture. I've definitely gotten a good taste of Persian cuisine, both through Laden's cooking and her mom's. Now that we live in Dallas, we're invited over all the time for lunch or dinner with the family, which is always so amazing. Yes, a lot of social interactions in Persian culture revolve around an elaborate meal. What's your favorite, Matt? Hmm. Uh, it's hard to choose, but I'd probably have to be a bit cliche and go with gourmet sabzi. You're right, that's definitely cliche, but I might have to agree with you on that one. We've covered gourmet sabzi before in previous lessons, but after kebabs, it's one of the most iconic Persian meals. It literally means gourmet greens and consists of amazing green herbs mixed with a little bit of stewing meat and kidney beans and served on basmati rice. So anyway, we've talked about food at length in the context of being hosted and the concept of tarof, but not really about the food itself. So we're devoting this entire lesson to that one topic, food, or in Persian, qaza. Qaza. The timing of this lesson is pretty good, actually, because I had just completed two weeks of a complete education in Persian cooking with my Ammin Murshde. She flew down from Canada so that we could work on a series of videos together showing the art of Persian cuisine. In this lesson, I'm going to share a bit of knowledge that I gained in those two weeks. So sorry if you haven't had food while listening to this lesson. It might make you a bit hungry. So to begin with, Persian cuisine is a bit different than some other traditional cuisines in that it's not very heavy on spices. Think, for instance, about Indian food or Thai food or Mexican food. You can identify a lot of their dishes based on the spices that have been used. Iranian food is a lot more subtle than that and relies more on the ingredients than on spices necessarily. That being said, there are two very important spices used in Persian cuisine that I'd like to point out. The first is saffron, or as we call it, zafarun. Zafarun. Now, if you're not familiar with Persian cuisine... You still may have heard of this spice because it's the most expensive spice in the world. It's incredibly labor-intensive to gather because it can only be done by hand-picking the saffron stem of a flower. Although saffron is used in other cuisines, such as Spanish food, it comes from Iran, and the best saffron is grown in a very specific region in Iran. In addition to having a really wonderful fragrance, zafarun also has a beautiful reddish color. It's used in many dishes, but most often it's used on Persian rice. So when you see Persian rice with that rich yellow-orange color, it's because it's been mixed with zafarun. So again, zafarun. Zafarun. And it can also, of course, be pronounced zafaran. Zafaran. And you can see that's where the word saffron comes from. So the second spice often used in Persian cuisine that's becoming more common in the West is turmeric, or what we call zarchube. Zarchube. So zarchube also has a brilliant yellow color, and you have to be careful when you're using it because it strongly colors anything it touches. So again, zarchube. Zarchube. Zarchube is also used in basically every Persian dish, and it's often introduced early in the cooking process when browning onions and introducing meat to the dish. 
It helps to take away the smell of the meat from the dish and also has so many health benefits, most notably its anti-inflammatory properties. So, zarchube. Zarchube. So again, we have zafarun. Zafarun. And zarchube. Zarchube. So what specific dishes do we have in Persian culture? I'd say the most common type of dish we have is polo vachoresh. Polo vachoresh. So polo, you should probably know, is the word for rice. Polo. Polo. Great. And what is choresh, Matt? It's the stew that goes on top of the polo. Exactly. So you mentioned before that gourmet sabzi is your favorite Iranian dish. So gourmet sabzi is a type of choresh. So the complete name for it is Khoreshe Gorme Sabzi. Khoreshe Gorme Sabzi. So when you're having Khoreshe Gorme Sabzi, it's taken for granted that you will have it with rice or polo. Polo. In Persian cuisine, polo usually refers to long grain white basmati rice made beautifully fluffy with a number of flakes colored by zafarun. However, Matt, What's the most important part of Persian polo? Tadig, of course. You got it, tadig. So if you've ever had Persian food, you know about tadig. Tadig is definitely one of the highest forms of Persian art and takes quite a bit of practice to truly master. But basically, it literally translates to bottom of the pot and is the golden, crispy portion when making a pot of rice. Iranians purposely allow the bottom of the rice to burn slightly, creating this golden crust. I don't know how to explain it better than that, but it's basically everyone's favorite part of Persian food. Tadig. Tadig. And there's always a fight for the tadig because there's only a set amount of it. Usually, you pour some khoresh on top of the tadig to get it a bit softer. Tadig doesn't necessarily have to be crispy rice, however. You can also make it with a layer of potato- potatoes at the bottom of the pot, or a layer of bread, or even greens like collard, although doing that requires a bit of advanced technique. In general, tadig requires a little bit of effort, but it's completely worth it, of course. So again, so far we've covered polo, khoresh, and tadig, three essential components of Persian cuisine. And let's talk a little bit more about khoresh and different types of khoresh. So we already know... And that's one of the most well-known khoreshes, but there are many, many different types of khoresh. Khoresh has a stewy kind of consistency, so it's usually served in a bowl, and you pour it on top of rice. One thing to note here, and I didn't know this was a thing until I was in my 20s, actually, is Iranians use spoons at every meal, and that's their most common eating utensil. It wasn't until my 20s that I realized that in the United States, people don't really use spoons unless they're eating a spoon-specific meal, like soup. But not for us. We use a fork to scoop food into a spoon, and that's how we eat it. So the word for spoon is qashuk. Qashuk. And fork is changal. Changal. And knife is card. Card. So again, the most common eating utensil is a spoon or qashuk. So khoreshes have a stewy consistency, and they almost always consist of a lot of vegetables and a very small portion of meat. So you can see this in khoresh gourmet sabzi. Most of it is sabzi or greens. There's a very small portion of meat in there, but the meat is not the main ingredient. It's just there to provide a little flavor and a little texture to the dish. Let's talk about a couple other common khoreshes. There's khoreshe fesenjun. Khoreshe fesenjun. And this is also a very flavorful and common Persian dish. 
This engine consists of a bit of chicken in a very rich and thick sauce made of pomegranates and walnuts. It's commonly eaten in the fall when pomegranates or anar are most in season. So again, that's fesenjun. Fesenjun. There's so many other khureshes, but those are two of my favorites. Any others you think we have to add in there, Matt? Well, those are two of my favorites also, but I'd also add khureshe badamjun. Ooh, of course, khureshe badamjun, or eggplant stew. This one consists of, you guessed it, eggplant, tomato, and a little bit of stewing meat. So, khureshe badamjun. Khureshe badamjun. And now moving on to another really important food group, and that is of Persian kebabs. So we all know what a kebab is, grilled meat. This is another extremely common food in Persian culture. Kebab literally means grilling. You can have a meat kebab or a chicken kebab or fish kebab, really anything you can grill. The most common kebab is chilo kebab, which means rice with ground beef kebab. So chilo kebab. Cello kebab. And note here, the pronunciation is a little bit different than the English kebab. So it's kebab. The emphasis is on the first syllable. So cello kebab. Cello kebab. And another favorite of mine is juje kebab. Juje means bird, and this is just grilled chicken kebab. So juje kebab. Juje kebab. I always recommend getting it ba'ustuhun, which means with bone. It's much more delicious and juicy that way. So juje kebab ba'ustuhun. Juje kebab ba'ustuhun. Again, there are plenty of other types of kebab you can get, but those are the two most common. Now, to go back to the concept of Persian cooking in general, I do think it's a shame that Persian food is not more widely known because it's very much in line with our current movement towards seasonal, plant-heavy foods. Michael Pollan, a modern food writer, says that in order to eat well, you should just follow the tenets of eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And I believe Persian food perfectly embodies this. It consists of only whole foods. It doesn't rely on any processed foods. And although most Iranians aren't vegetarians, the amount of meat in the food, with the exception of kebabs, is always very little in proportion to the whole meal. And an emphasis is placed on seasonal fruits and vegetables for meals. One interesting thing I've learned is that because Iran has been isolated for so long from the rest of the world due to sanctions and politics, Monsanto hasn't developed a foothold in Iran yet. So the fruits and vegetables you get in Iran are very unique. Each region is known for growing its own unique fruits and vegetables, and I've been to Iran, I can attest to the fact that the rich flavors you get from things grown there are really hard to come by anywhere else. One other thing I want to mention in this lesson. Because of the rich soil in Iran and the variety of climates, it was always a hub for planting, all the way back to the time of the Silk Road. So a lot of foods we're familiar with now are specifically from Iran. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but many foods that we have in Western culture that start with the letter P are from Iran. So think pomegranates, pistachios, persimmons, parsley. You'll be surprised how many there are. Next time you come across a food that starts with a P, look it up. Chances are that maybe it comes from Iran. One last concept in Persian cooking that I find very interesting and would love to cover is the concept of sadi and garmi. You might remember from previous lessons that sad means cold and gam means warm. When it comes to cooking, Iranians believe that every food has a warming or cooling effect on the gut, and that warm foods must be eaten with cold foods to balance them out. 
it doesn't have anything to do with the actual temperature of the food, so it might be a little confusing. But every meal has to have a balance of sa'adi and garmi. For example, fish is a sad food, as is yogurt. So eating the two together would be would supposedly lead to a stomach ache or other undesirable health results. However, chocolate is a garam food. So eating some chocolate after a cold food like fish would have a nice balancing effect. So again, that's sardi vagarmi. Sardi vagarmi. To end with, I want to cover a phrase that comes with Persian cooking that I find absolutely beautiful and poetic, and that is the phrase nushe jan. Nushe jan. So jan we've covered extensively before. If used with a name like mat jan, it means deer. Literally, however, it means life or soul. Nush is the word for nourishment. So literally, nushejan means food of the soul. It's the Persian answer to a phrase like bon appetit. After presenting a cooked meal, the chef will say nushejan, meaning may it feed your soul, may it nourish your soul. Nushejan. Nushejan. And that, to me, in a nutshell, is what Persian cuisine is. It's food for the soul. It allows friends and families to come together in conversation and togetherness and is the ultimate expression of love or nourishment of the soul. So again, Nushe Jan. Nushe Jan. So, Nushe Jan, hope this lesson was nourishing to you in a way and didn't make you too hungry. On the lesson page for this lesson, we'll link to a few of our favorite recipes, and hopefully the video series with my aunt will be out before too long so you can watch and learn how to make a few dishes. Thanks so much for listening to this lesson. Only one lesson left in this series. That's right. With Lesson 60, we're wrapping up this portion of Chai and Conversation. Of course, there's a lot more coming in the future, so watch out for that. But for now, Be'omide Didar from Matt. And Khuda Hafiz from Leila.